0: This is the Dice Tower Network, adding games to your wish list since 2005. The home of smart people, insightful board gaming commentary, and Luke Hector. Find out more at DiceTowerNetwork.com. The Broken Meeple, episode 15, halfway. Been a little while, but I'm back and with a shiny new YouTube channel as well. Yes, it's finally up and running, but I'll talk about that later. This episode is a halfway roundup point for 2017. What games have I played so far? Which have been my favourites? And which ones am I looking forward to playing for the rest of this year? Hi everyone, yes it's good to be back. I know it's not been that long, only about a month or so, but it's been a busy month. First there was the UK Games Expo, that was a big deal, but also the YouTube channel is finally up and running and somebody joked with me at the expo that the whole thing about my YouTube channel is kind of like its own segment on the show. That kind of rings true. I've sort of been banging on about it for a while, but yes, it's finally there and it's finally up and running. I've already done an FAQ to explain who I am and what the show's about. I've done a roundup of the UK Games Expo itself, which has proved to be quite popular. I recommend checking it out. And I've done a few reviews to date. Baron Park, Century Spice Road, and Sensei's Path, the Oni Tummer expansion. By the time this goes out, you may have also had the review for Quadropolis Public Services go up as well. But there's more to come. We got Yokohoma, we got Colosseum, the Tasty Minchal Games reprint. We have Exit, the Secret Lab, the first of the Exit games. And many more besides. Yes, things are really heating up now, and that's not a pun just because it's the summer. And to be honest, we the UK. It gets warm, gets muggy, but it doesn't usually get too hot. At least not all the time. Anyway, I digress. So yes, 2017 is reaching the halfway point and so far, well, as it is with most years, most of the really good stuff doesn't tend to come out yet. You get a few good games along the way and there certainly have been some belters, but with Gen Con coming up, uh, you tend to get a lot of stuff released then or certainly a lot announced at that point. And then a lot of new releases will also come out to Essen later this year, so that will be a stage where there's going to be a lot of cool stuff around and hopefully I'll get time to play it all before the end of the year when it comes to doing my uh, top 10 of the year. But there's still been some crackers and I will certainly get onto those later. But first I just wanted to give a special shout out to Russell Blitz. Russell Blitz is a friend of mine who has recently helped set up a charity called Good Company. He ran a charity board game event called Board at Home at one of the coffee shops, Home Coffee, in Cosham down at the south of the UK. This was a half day event where Dice Portsmouth went along to help and of course knowing me I go along to help teach a few games as well and certainly we were not you know we didn't have much time for a break it was rammed I mean seriously there was a few tables in there and some smaller ones but space was a bit of an issue it is a coffee shop you know not a massive warehouse but oh my god this thing was popular I mean companies and publishers were donating games local businesses were donating vouchers the raffle got to a stupid amount of prizes, like over a 100 prizes in that raffle. And that's of all types of things. We were constantly teaching games. All the tables were in constant use right up until the end. It just was such a big event and it was such a good event. I felt really happy to be part of it. And apparently they were hoping to raise only around £500 for the event. Well, they raised over two. pounds thousand pounds to kickstart this charity off so yep best of luck to good company and russell and everybody else who helped out at that event i look forward to seeing if there's any more events like this in the future because it certainly went down well it was a great time had by all when i was there and i certainly got to teach a lot of games and even play a few myself so best of luck guys hope it goes well for the future okay so on with the main portion of the show I mean this episode is not going to be too long I want to try and keep these episodes relatively short and maybe as I start talking about games I've played and games in general or something on this podcast it will enable me to do that easier because I want to get the top 10 lists ideally onto video form rather than podcast form but maybe I'll mix and match because I know some of you prefer one to the other of course as promised I will be doing my top 100 on video and now I have to get on with doing that at some point certainly late July I'm gonna have to start recording those videos and making my top 100 I think it's going to be quite an entertaining list especially with the new games I've played since the last one and it will be good to actually compare a top 100 to a top 100 this time as opposed to 100 to 75. So, what games have I played for 2017 to date that are certainly of note? Well, first up, we'll start on a high note. This is the first game to currently earn my 10 out of 10 rating. And I'm not including expansions in this, but the first actual game to earn a 10 out of 10 for this year. And that is Ethnos. Now, even though it has earned a 10, Ethnos is not currently the most enjoyable game I've played this year. But I rate it a 10 because of its design. Its design is almost perfect. It has some mediocre artwork, mediocre, mediocre artwork in the game. And, you know, it's subjective. I know some people like it. Personally, I think it's a bit bland, but it's, it do, it will do for the game. It is a fairly abstract looking game. But with Ethnos, it's really well designed in terms of its replay value, in terms of how lightning quick the turns are, and how easy it is to set up and teach. This is a bulk standard area control game where everybody has cards that resemble tribes. And the tribes are all these different races of fantasy races. So wing folk and elves and wizards, that kind of thing. And you have 12 in the game. And you only use six in a game and each one has its own ability when you use it. So there's all sorts of ability combinations that you can have and the game changes up every single time you do it. Your turn sequence of play play a bunch of cards or take a card is so lightning fast that your turn, even in a six player game, comes back round before you know it. Sometimes you've barely just registered what card you just picked up by the time it gets back round to you. That is some serious speed in a game. This is like ticket to ride level of rules. Maybe slightly more complex than Ticket to Ride, but not by much. It really is that fast, that easy, and just, it works. It's very sleek and streamlined, and games finish in 45 to 60 minutes. It deserves credit for that, and despite the mediocre artwork, I think it deserves the 10. I mean, it only just got the 10. I had to think hard about it. I was tempted to more give it a 9 but I felt that it was worth and deserving of that 10. It just seemed to hit the right notes for everything and artwork, like I said, is pretty subjective. Some people like it, some people don't. I'm in the middle. Personally, I think it could be better, but I'm not going to downgrade a perfectly designed, streamlined game just because I'm not a fan of its art. You know, there have been other games where I haven't gone mad for the art, like the cards in Innis, for example. I'm not the biggest fan of that style, but that's just my personal subjective opinion. The rest of Innis is a really cool game, and so I don't think poorly of Innis just because of the art. Of course, you can step over a line. Hello, legendary Firefly. Oh yes, the artwork in that is pretty poor. But that's Ethnos, the first one to earn my 10 for the year and hopefully not the last. Next we have Century Spice Road. This was heralded as the Splendor Killer and I've already done a full video review on this so I won't belabor the point too much. But it's generally a good game. It certainly does not kill Splendor. It has just that little bit of extra depth and that slight differentiation to separate it from Splendor. And personally, if you were to hold me at gunpoint, I would still pick Splendor. Splendor is just that little bit more accessible for people. It's like really easy to play, has some variation, but also the expansion coming out really does seem to make quite a bit of difference and I look forward to seeing that more in action. Century Spice Road itself, though, is still really good fun. It's a standard Euro, it's engine building, you're basically... I mean, the theme makes no difference. You're just basically trading cubes with these action cards in order to claim cards that are worth so many points. It's basically get the cubes, cash them in, get the cards, the end. It has a few mechanics borrowed from certain games like Small World, where you select action cards by placing your own cubes on cards that you skip over. That's always pretty neat. One warning and caveat I will have with this game though. The publishers blatantly had zero regard for anybody who's colorblind. Anybody who is colorblind should not go near Century Spice Road at all. I am warning you now. There is zero differentiation between any of the colors in this game. You have brown, green, red, and yellow cubes. The cards will show brown, green, Red and yellow cubes. There is no symbology. There is no iconography. It is literally just the color of the cube. I had to teach this to several people at the board at home event I mentioned earlier. And one poor bloke had to sit and watch. I felt so sorry for him, but he was colorblind. So he could not tell what was what on any of the cards and what was any of the cubes. So publishers take note. If you are going to make a game that you want to be accessible to many people, put some thought into how colourblind people will interpret them. It's not that hard. Ticket to Ride even managed to do it by putting symbols on the train track colours. I've yet to come across anybody who's had to use them to that extent, but at least they thought about it. So how about you start thinking about it too? Hey, rant over. But that aside, if you're not colourblind, Century Spice Road is a pretty decent game, not one of my favourites of the year, and certainly not a Splendor killer, but boy was this the hotness at the UK Games Expo. Woo, god, this one was selling like hotcakes, and I suppose deservedly so. It certainly has its mass appeal, but I say, I'm hanging on to both. Splendor is still my pick of the two. Okay, we'll touch base on another game that I reviewed earlier in the springtime, and that is the new game from Bruna Kefala, Yamatai. Yamatai is almost like a cousin to Five Tribes. It has that same sort of feel, that same sort of thinking level, and certainly the same level of quality components and mass colors. Certainly, as I said, colorblind people might have to watch a little bit with this one. Certainly, there's no color differentiation on the ship's either, so yeah, you might have some problems here. But Yamatai is a very cool Euro game. It's about medium weight, I would say. There's a lot to think about, but the rules are dead simple. The reference aid is perfect for showing you how the game flows, and teaching this game is a breeze, because you don't have to teach everything at the start. You have these turn order tiles that give you a special power or some ships for the turn. You have some helpers that you can hire for points and abilities, but only so many are on show at any one time. So don't teach them all, just teach the ones that are on show. And the basic mechanics of putting the ships down and having them in colour sequences and then claiming the tokens so that you can hire those helpers and also to build buildings on the various islands and how they score. Very simple to do, the game flows very smoothly. The only slight issues with it is that it can lead to some major analysis paralysis at times. Not as bad as Five Tribes though, I will say that. It's easier to get your head around what to do on a turn in this than it is in Five Tribes. There's just that one fewer option, shall we say, you know, in what you're doing. And I feel that this one is more accessible out of the two. I am keeping both on my shelf. You know, they they look good next to each other and they they are very good games. I think I rated this one an 8. It certainly is a, a high 8. It's a very cool game. Would Do I prefer it to Five Tribes? Hard to say. I enjoy them both. It would be really difficult for me to say at this point which one I enjoy more, but I think Yamatai gets the edge slightly because it is more accessible. It is certainly a lot easier to teach this one than Five Tribes by far, because Five Tribes you've got to teach all the different tribes, what they do, how you score, how the camels and things like that work, you know, the different mechanics that the game has, the turn order, bidding system. It's You know, it's not the most difficult game in the world to teach, but it does require that little bit more effort, certainly from you and the players in order to do it. But Yamatai is still a very cool Euro, placing ships on the board, sailing around this absolutely gorgeous board. I mean, seriously, whew. Days of Wonder knocks it out of the park with their games generally, but this one just looks so beautiful. The front cover is literally mesmerizing in its beauty and the board is colorful The turn all the tiles the helpers the artwork is sublime this is possibly one of the prettiest games I have seen this year bar none if you think that ethnos is fairly bland and the artworks not that great in it this is the polar opposite of ethnos the art in this is so beautiful the components in this are top-notch as most days of wonder games are seriously worth giving this one a look it's not everyone's cup of tea i will say that some people have walked away from it kind of meh or i prefer five tribes but i think you'll probably enjoy it if you play it there are some exceptions i know you know the exception doesn't disprove the rule that kind of thing but i think this is a great game and certainly one of the best that 2017 has had to offer so far Okay on to another one which is my first video review I have done for this year. This is Baron Park or Bear Park by Mayfair Games Lookout Games. This is a very simple gateway level polyominoes game. I.e. like Cottage Garden and Patchwork and to a lesser extent Feast for Odin. This is where you are basically placing Tetris shapes on boards. In order to fill up your boards as efficiently as possible to gain more bonuses. In Bear Park you are basically building a theme park. With bears in it. It's a zoo, essentially. But you start off with one grid. You can pick up more grids as time goes on and build yourself as you see fit. So you don't have to put them all in a square. You could put them in a conga line if you wanted. And it's very simple. I mean, you basically just place a tile or pass. If you pass, you get another tile for next round. But if you play a tile, you basically play it on your board. And for the three or four different symbols, the four different symbols that you have to cover... Each one gives you another type of tile back. Be a park area that's worth no points but fills up space. The actual bare part animal like houses themselves which are worth so many points to begin with. And then they dwindle as the pile gets lower. And then you have the actual enclosures which are worth the most points. And have the most weirdest of big Tetris style shapes. It's really just a nice little charming fun like game. I'm not saying this is the best thing since sliced bread. But I think... This is the easiest of the Polyomino's games to teach. Easier even so than Patchwork. And one thing that this has over Patchwork goes up to four players. Patchwork's a great game. Only takes two though. And that one you've just got the one grid. Here you've got multiple grids in different layouts with different shapes. It's really nice and charming. The artwork is very colorful. The scoring is Dead simple. I mean, literally, you just take the points and add them up. No stupid multiplication tables. No, take this and divide it by three or anything like that. No, it's just, it does have a number there. Then here's the points. Scores have been very tight among like, you know, the winning players. And I even had one game actually at the uh, charity event where I won by tiebreaker. The tiebreaker was where if you have some, you, for each tile that you have in your supply that you haven't placed that's worth points, that's a tiebreaker. I won by three pieces to two against the second player. Literally a tiebreaker. That's how close the game was, and many times I've had the games go pretty close. This is so simple to learn, so simple to teach. You've got a little bit of added replay value with the objectives, which are basically three different types of objectives you can gun for. We're not talking like the most taxing of objectives, but it's nice to have something else to gun for in the game because it influences what players decide to do. Very easy to teach, like I said, it's just a nice little gateway game. I think I gave it a 7 because even though I wouldn't want to play it like over and over and over again, I still think it's a solid title and it's sitting in my collection because, well, I need a polyominoes game in my collection and I think this one is the best gateway example for that genre. So, Baron Park, definitely worth a try, especially for families and new gamers. Okay, this next one is possibly my weakest link for this year, not by much, I still gave it I think a 7, a 7 at best, although maybe it will drop in the future, and that is unfair. And no, this rating is not unfair to the game. The game itself has a good strong theme, it's about building a theme park, and that itself is a theme I really want to see in a board game, although this is a card tableau building game. But it doesn't matter. Here, the stuff that you can build in your park, like various rides and cinemas and shops and food stalls and getting people like clowns and uh, assistants to run it, is very well done and very thematic. What hurts this game for me, though, are the event cards. There is a, a good amount of take that in this game, and you have to be comfortable with the fact that a card could just screw you over at the worst time. Now, that's not a massive issue for me because the event cards have two parts, a good and a bad. The bad will hurt your opponents, but the good is a very good effect for yourself only. Now, my problem isn't necessarily that the bad effects can do me things to opponents because you can always just use the uh, World Peace Changer card. Basically, there's a bunch of cards that change how the game plays and it will negate all bad effects. Although, it seems weird to play a card that literally neuters half of a card stock. But what gets me with this is the events are just far too swinny. There are some major imbalances, I think, with some of these card effects. Now, they are situational, and some of them will get better as the game goes on, and some are better early. But if you draw them at the right times, those cards completely overshadow others, and you can get such an advantage, to the extent that when I play this game, a lot of people spend their time drawing events because they are just so good. I mean, I don't know, it's a bit of a bugbear with me, but I'm going to hang on to it for now because I think the theme is nice and strong and I do enjoy the theme park aspect. I just have to accept that it's going to be not only a little bit swingy, but also a bit long. This is another thing. The setup and takedown in this game is ridiculously long. You've got to shuffle a ton of different decks, and then when you put it away, you've got to you know separate out all the different themes, like vampire, robot, etc. And oh my god, it takes forever, even if people are helping you. But frequently, I come across people who refuse to you know just wander off the deserters as I call them, and you try packing this away by yourself. It is one of the most painful experiences ever. Really don't like the way that the setup and takedown is so long with this. Now, like I say, the game is still good and I look forward to more themes down the line and I probably will only play this with two or three players because four players is just far too long. It really is too long with four players. Three would make an interesting sweet spot. Personally, I think it works fine as a two player, but it's not a quick game. This is a you know they will claim it's a quick game but you've got lots to do you've got a lot of things to carry on with in a turn and maybe a two-player game would be pretty quick once you know the rules but when you're learning it and certainly with more players my god this one takes a bit too long so this is my weak link so far for the year in terms of like the big hyped games but it's not a bad game i still enjoy it and i will still play it i still have it for the time being will it last the rest of this year I'm not convinced it will but for now I'm going to give it some more plays and you know, I've already reviewed it anyway but I'm going to hang on to it and see how maybe some expansions improve it down the road. We shall see, it depends how quickly they come out with them because I think it could do with some fairly soon. So my current weak link out of the hype games but not a bad game at all, unfair. And finally, before I get onto some games that I'm looking forward to playing, and by looking forward to I mean mainly you know games that not necessarily that I've played demos of because I already went over those in my UK Games Expo video, but these are games that have already been released that I want to play in the future. But first off, the final game that I've played that deserves mention and that is Anachrony. Anachrony is this heavy worker placement game and oh my word this has the potential because I haven't played enough to give it a full review yet, but this has the potential to be a ten. Certainly a nine at the very least. This one is a great thematic worker placement game. It looks great, that you know, especially if you get the like lexo suits that you can put your workers in. You know, I mean that is basically bling, but still, you know, these things are good to look at. But in Anachrony. You are placing workers to gain resources, build buildings, and to basically be like, the I think, the most powerful faction during this whole calamity. You're basically preparing for a doomsday meteor strike. And in the midst of this, you're trying to basically recover the most. So you're building buildings, you're completing projects, you're evacuating people when the calamity hits. It's all done on this timer track, and this is the best bit. This is that bit I adore. Each round is basically... An era of time and you may borrow resources from the future to assist you in a term. But the problem is when you do that, you cause paradoxes, which if you have too many of them, you'll end up with negative points. These paradoxes are like essentially they sit there on the track until and get this until. In a future round, you travel back in time using one of the types of buildings you can get, travel back, and give yourself the resource that you took earlier. So if I borrowed a mech, for example, in the first round, some point, maybe in the third or fourth round, I have to, to avoid a paradox, give a mech to myself back at that time and clear the paradox. I have looked so forward to a game that gets time travel Right, and this one does it. This is such a cool theme. It's impossible not to get immersed in the time travel aspect of this, but even in the game itself, because I've only played it with the normal sides for now, and it's already been good. I want to try the expert side, you know, where every race is differentiated even more than it already is. And where you've got these more complex time tracks, you know, for the rounds of the game. And there's even a module where you're, you can even postpone Doomsday or make it happen quicker. Yeah, that sounds really cool. And there's a solo mode that I can play as well. I really need to dig deeper into this game unfortunately the thing that is stopping me at the moment and this is a bit of a bugbear with the game is that it has a ton of stuff in it there's a lot of pieces to sort through and my god it takes a while to set up as a result and you've also got to spend a long time teaching it this is one of those games that you don't want to play with noobs too often because and i know that sounds like a bad term but trust me this is a tricky game to pick up and you know it's, it's definitely worth it when you do But it's not going to be the easiest one to grasp. But I am waiting, rather impatiently, for an insert to come from Laserox, They're based in the Netherlands and, like I say, I'm waiting rather impatiently. But I'm expecting to hear tracking information soon for their insert. Yes, it's expensive. But a proper insert in the Anachrony box that allows me to set up the game within, you know, barely a minute or two. As opposed to the mass of time it takes normally. This will allow me to get it to the table more and I cannot wait because this one deserves a full video review and it deserves a full rating and so far I am loving this. So we'll have to see if it continues to be that way, but this could be my favorite Euro game of the year. This has the potential to do that. So, you know, I mean Ethnos is still great and it is great design, but in terms of pure enjoyment factor, Anachrony could be my favorite euro of the year we're going to see what comes out in the future but certainly definitely worth a try if you're into heavy-ish worker placement games and you know respect a lot of the other ones it's from the same publisher that did tricarion and tricarion is from what i've heard a very cool meaty euro game and one that i really want to play so if that sort of thing interests you give this one a try if you can help it With this said, let's go on to some games that I'm waiting to play. Now obviously there's a lot coming out that hasn't been released or stuff that I've already demoed at the expo. Check out my expo video to hear more about some of those and I'll get on to the ones that haven't been released when they get released. But there's still a few that have been released that I really do need to sink my teeth into. First up we got Mintworks. Now this is a very tiny game, it comes in a titty little tin, it's cheap as chips, I probably will just buy it myself at this point but it's supposed to be a interesting little worker placement game that I think you can play solo, I'm not sure, but apparently plays well with a few players and is supposed to be quite popular for something that is essentially a micro worker placement game. That's about as much as I know about it. It doesn't exactly look that great. I mean, a titchy little tin, fairly bland, and obviously micro components, but can you get a miniscule worker placement game like that and make it actually good fun? I've been burnt sometimes by things like the Tiny Epic games and the 8-Minute Empire style games, but I want to give this one a try and see what all the fuss is about. I mean, let's face it, it's not like it's going to take much time to actually play, and if I have to buy it myself, it's not like it's going to hurt my bank account either. Another one very quick is Sagrada. Sagrada, again, I don't know a huge amount, but I hear it's actually better as a solo game than it is actually with players. This is one of these little dice placement games where you're building stained glass windows. Looks very pretty, looks fairly compact, it's usually quite hard to get hold of at the moment, which is the reason I haven't had a copy to date, but a solo game with dice, I'd be willing to give it a try and see what it's all about. I think, who mentioned this one? i got a feeling it was Anthony that mentioned it on our solo podcast, you know, the top 10 that we did in the last two episodes, I think Anthony Chatfield mentioned it, but it's got my interest and I would like to try this one out soon. Now, a while back there was a game called Above and Below. Now, I was a little bit lukewarm on this game because the encounter books seemed a little bit sporadic and the Euro game involved wasn't much cop, even though I really liked the artwork. Well, the idea with Near and Far is that it has effectively taken this game and jumped it up a few levels. You now have a book of maps and each map is a different game. And you can play this game in campaign mode. You can also, you know, just play it standalone. But the idea is, is that you will, you know, gather stuff that you need, like resources and equipment and that in a town. And then you will go out on this map, whatever route you want to do and complete quests and find new people and just basically go nuts. It's one of those little sandbox games that you can do what you feel like. And as you go through the map you will have encounters, although I hear some of them seem more like 50-50 choices which seems a little bit lacking. But, I don't know, we'll see. I only know so much here. But this could be really cool because I like Tales of the Arabian Nights for its encounter book. And Above and Below started off as being something cool but wasn't quite up to par But Tom Vassell has been giving Near and Far an absolute rave lately. And this is definitely one that I want to try out. Along with some of Ryan Lockett's other games that I haven't tried yet, like Islebound. Because Ryan Lockett does make some very good games. You know, he's one of these exceptions to the rule where he can be the same designer, publisher, artist, the works. And believe me, none of you should be trying this at home really because people like him have got this down to a T. But Near and Far, with its big encounter book and all the maps and that... Definitely one I want to try if I can get one on retail release or even just play someone else's copy, because I was hesitant to back the Kickstarter, I chose not to in the end, but I would still like to give this one a try, so if anybody local has got this one, please give me a bell, because I want to try it. A slightly more obscure one is Link. At least I think that's how you pronounce it, considering it's spelled L-Y-N-G-K, it's kind of weird how you would Get to spell this at any point anyway. But this is another abstract game, a two-player abstract game in the GIF series, the one done by Chris Burm. I already have Yinch, and that is one of my favourite abstract games ever. Maybe not my favourite, but certainly possibly my number two or number three. It really is that good. Now, Link is another one in the series, and to be fair, I haven't played a huge amount of them in the series. You know, there are some that I've avoided and some that I've heard are not that great, but I would like to try some others out. I know I've tried Zar and I think I've tried Devon, and Divan I'm okay with, Zar's not bad. Yinch is just, uh, it blows every other one out of the water. Link, though, got a good review from C. Garcia, and it looks cool with the different colors, and I like the idea that you can pull some nice combos off with rebounding color stacks from other places, And it looks like another solid abstract. But to be honest, I will try any abstract game out once, and certainly one that is part of this GIF series, which is a very, very good series of quality abstract games. Even if you don't like Yinch, I'm sure you will find one in the series, at least one, in fact, that you do like. Of course, if you don't like abstract games at all, you're not going to like any of them, but that goes without saying. Certainly, if it can be anywhere near as good as Yinch, I will love it. But it would be nice to get maybe another one in the collection, and Link would be one, certainly because it's, you know, maybe because it's colder than you. But I would certainly like to try this one out and find out more. And finally, whether you class this as a 2017 game or not, I'm not sure, because technically the game has already been out. So you can call this a bit of a fringe pick, if you want, or a cheap pick. But the Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective game, the they've released a new set... And it's basically reprinting some other adventures from a previous edition or a previous like promo thing. And it's also got some brand new scenarios in it. But it's out in a new edition. And it means that I could buy this one instead of the old one. And it would have some maybe some updated components and such. Certainly, I want to try these out. And preferably as a solo thing. Because I know you can play it with multiple players. But sometimes you just want to enjoy a puzzle-solving game by yourself. And I feel that something like this... Is best played as a solo game certainly I've heard some good reports that you can play it solo and it works very well you know I've played the unlock games as group I played the exit game earlier today in fact in a group sometimes you just want to do a puzzle solving thing by yourself I don't know maybe I'll get the Sherlock games and make that my solo venture and then I can get the unlocks and the exits so that I can do in groups because they're more accessible to people we'll see But if I get time, I would certainly like to check out the Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective game, The West End Adventures, I think it's called, the Jack the Ripper series, and just to sort of sink my teeth into it and see what it's like. But of course, time is of the essence, and well, it's not like I haven't got enough solo games as it is. So that's it for my roundup of 2017 so far. That was a selection of games I've played and a selection of games that I want to play. I hope that's a good list to sort of get your, almost like your digestive juices flowing for some new games that you might want to try out. Certainly there's a lot more to come out this year. I mean there's been a lot of games released already. And yes, some of you are probably wondering, where's Gloomhaven? Well, I have played Gloomhaven. I have played it several times. I don't own it. I would not have enough time to go anywhere near through this campaign. It's just way too large. And I opted out of the Kickstarter at the last minute. Because I felt, you know what? I'll never get to play it enough. And I'm kind of getting a little bored with more of these dungeon crawl games. I have I play them and I enjoy them. But I'm just not getting anything new from them. And even though Gloomhaven has some cool stuff about it. There is some stuff that I'm still not a fan of. So I sort of think, you know, Gloomhaven's okay. I will play it. It's cool. But I just don't have the time for it. So I'm not going to own it. Certainly not in the near future. Not unless I win the lottery and suddenly have all the time in the world. But, you know, I respect it for what it is. It's a decent dungeon crawl game. So that's why it's not on my list to talk about. But there's a lot of stuff coming in the future that I want to try. And no doubt I will get round to doing Britain video and podcast reviews for those as time goes on, but of course, as you are already aware, the podcast is running. Of course, I'm talking to you right now, but the written reviews are still going with some of the uh, Mythos packs from Arkham Horror and some other reviews that I need to get done quick. But also, the video channel is here, and it's I'm going to put out as much content as I can, and I open the field to anybody who wants to join me on the show. It'd be a bit of a squeeze because you have seen where I sit. You know, I'd have to have you pretty much sat right next to me. But if you're a content creator and you live near Portsmouth, give me a shout. You know, I'd like to have somebody, you know, Polyhedron Collider, Who Dares Rolls, you know, Breacher Eighteen, you know, come on down, say hi, and it'd be nice to have one of you on the show just to chat, really. I mean, I would really like to do some top tens with some people on video, where I could have the person sat next to me and we can debate back and forth about our choices. I mean, that'd be really cool. But certainly, yeah, I want to do more of this shared stuff because it is great fun to do it. I had great fun with a. you know, Richard doing the We're Not Wizards podcast, you know, check that out on his channel, We're Not Wizards, and it's a really cool chat between me and him, mostly about Iron Brew and shelving, but still, there's a lot of other cool stuff about games in there as well. And the shared podcast, obviously, that I did with Jason Perez and Anthony Chatfield from the Board Gamers Anonymous crew, that was really good fun as well. So... We'll see how things go in the future, but for now, I need to be able to keep up with this video because it is time consuming, regardless of how much practice I get. Videos take a while to edit. I might have been a little bit ahead of myself when I thought that I could do a video quicker than the written review. That remains to be said, but videos are still cool and I want to get them out. So far, the quality has been good. You know, the feedback has been very good and constructive. You know, there's been a lot of positive feedback and there's been some decent constructive feedback about things like the focus and stuff like that. Yes, it is a bit difficult to get the lighting perfect and the focus is a bit of a problem because A, I don't have a cameraman and two, it's not an autofocus lens. I have had to use a 24mm fixed focal lens in order to get the right angle and to get the right light in there. You know, it's a very low aperture rating, 1.8 I think. And the problem is, it doesn't autofocus. So I have to set it just right, so that where I'm sitting is in decent focus, and then you get slightly blurry as you get closer to the camera, and slightly blurry as you go past me. But the games look really good as they are, and I seem to look fairly good where I'm sat. But yes, if I hold a game out in front of me, it is going to look blurred. Unfortunately, unless anybody wants to donate something like £2,000 to my Patreon campaign, which is still ongoing, and allow me to buy the best camera lens ever which auto focuses and allows me to go as low as like 18 millimeter 24 millimeter low and zoom even you know one of those really expensive lens then by all means do I would love it to bits and you would get the biggest shout out in the world and even a big hug (laughs) yeah nobody's gonna do that but like I said I have to make do with the equipment I've got to get a camera lens that does zooming at 18 millimeters and has that low aperture, and has autofocusing, would cost an absolute bomb. So I have to make do with some compromises. But so far, it's going well, and I'm getting good feedback. So I'm going to keep the content coming. I'm going to try and vary it up a notch. So, you know, it won't just be video reviews. I may even, if I get time, I would like to do some movie reviews. That'd be cool. Or maybe some top tens that are movie related, because I do like a lot of movie stuff. And even then, I want to do some top tens on video as well. But of course, Uh, Let's see, we're getting on month's time. You should see me start chucking out content for the top 100. Yes, my anniversary of the Broken Maple will be coming up late July, early August. And of course, the intention is that I will do videos for my top 100, probably in sets of 10 for ease. And I'm going to try and not have the videos go on too long, otherwise it will take me an eternity to edit these things. But I'm certainly going to get around to checking these out and we'll see how things go. So that's it for me. I'm rambling on now. I'll let you get on. I'm going to go to bed because it's pretty late today, actually. I kind of need to get some sleep, work tomorrow. So that's it for me from the Broken Meeple. I will catch you on the next episode, which hopefully won't take a whole month before I get it out to you. But I'll see you on video, podcast or in written form, or you can just come and find me in person. So take care, have a good night's sleep, and remember, it's only a game. Thanks for listening. You can check out more material from The Broken Meeple at my website at www.brokenmeeple.blogspot.co.uk. You can also find me on Facebook or see my Twitter handle at The Broken Meeple. If you live anywhere near Portsmouth, feel free to come along to one of our fortnightly Wednesday board gaming clubs, Portsmouth On Board. Search for us on meetup.com or Facebook for more information. Occasional support for The Broken Meeple comes in the form of review copies of games from distributors such as Estevium Games and from retailers such as Chaos Cards, where you can find great games at great prices at chaoscards.co.uk. Thanks again, and from me and everyone else at the Dice Tower Network, have fun gaming. You're listening to the Dice Tower Network. If you like this show, you might like Out of Game or the Plaid Hat Podcast, Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com.